Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. This week, I want to thank Marsha. Thanks so much for your support on Patreon. If you love this show and you leave a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts, we may read your review on the air. Like this one from Sam. Katie and Tiffany have a unique New York Times Sunday Read type of quality to their podcast. For travel dreamers like myself, I can imagine living in Rome, not just for the sights and sounds, but all what life has to offer. Starting from the first episode, you learn the journey of an American expat who finds her home in Rome. I enjoyed the intelligent human interest stories of neighbors, in-laws, family, and the deep topics like values and violence. Thanks to Katie and Tiffany for sharing your friendship and lives on The Bittersweet Life, and keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Sam. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And my goodness... We are, we are in together. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the same place. It's a miracle. It's a it's a Roman miracle. So this morning, this very morning, which is a Saturday, this is the day after the last episode you heard where I could not see Tiffany because of COVID. This morning, miraculously, I tested negative. Woohoo! So we are here sitting on the very famous fountain steps uh, in the piazza of santa maria in Trastevere, where we've recorded plenty of episodes before mm-hmm. it's fixing to rain it's starting to rain there's raindrops landing on our head as we as we do this right and i have a brand new recorder here that i'm trying out in rome we may damage it right now but we're no. doing this because we're finally together so it's great you as we walked into the square you said i'm so happy that uh i'm so happy to see so many r- familiar faces on the street corner yeah, I mean, this is the thing we, that when you've been gone, I've been gone now for four years. When I, when I was coming back, I was wondering how many people am I going to recognize still? Anybody at this point? It's a question I always have when I get back here. But I was very happy to see that earlier this morning, she's not there now, but there used to be a woman when I lived here way back in 2013-14, there was a woman who always sat at the corner of that blue building that we're looking at, Tiffany, that's now covered in way more graffiti than it was when I lived here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even notice. But this woman used to sit there in a chair every single day and... I guess it's crocheting. I don't exactly I feel know. Like she's doing like like a hook rug. That's what it is. Like <laughs> it's like a hook rug where she's got a pattern on like a piece of burlap, <laughs> and she's creating different images, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe you'd put it over a pillow. I don't know what you do with it. I don't either. Anyway, she was sitting there this morning. She was working on it. The only difference was, she is now sitting next to a little box where you can put a donation in it. Thinking, oh, good for her. Yes, <laughs> it's like the modern, like the old-fashioned version of Patreon. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Maybe we should put something down here. Do you have a cup? <laughs> and then on the other corner, the opposite one where you can't see right now, there's been this same woman begging at that corner since I was here in 2013. Yeah, she, go- she goes, Buongiorno Bella. Yeah, right? and she, yes, and she sounds so exhausted. And miserable. Yeah, and I pointed it out to Derek. I'm like, oh, that woman's still begging for money on that corner. And he just said, how sad. <laughs> I mean, it is sad know, for her. I'm like, it is sad. <laughs> 
But I mean, that's her job. I mean, maybe she's happy to have that spot. You know, those spots aren't easy to come by. I guess. I don't know. Maybe she's a person we should interview someday. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We're like sitting upwind of a smoker right now. We are. Straight in the lungs. Which is very typical, actually. Typical Rome. Typical Europe, I feel. You know, I was sitting sitting out having lunch and then a pot of tea the other day in Piazza Mattei, my, my favorite piazza, one of my favorites. And it was such a perfect scene. And like I have my turtle fountain, you know, babbling in front of me. I had a nice, decent pot of tea. I had just had lunch with a good friend. And the guy sitting next to me, there was like two, I, I could tell they were French. They were older and they were very well dressed. And this guy was smoking one of those little cigarellos, yes. like those little tiny ones, but it smells just like a cigar. And I mean, I was just like gritting my teeth the entire time, like wanting to say something, but like, what can you say? We're outside. Finally, because you know, they last way longer than a cigarette, you know? So finally this thing finishes and I'm like, thank God. And so I go back to my book and enjoying my tea and I see him out of the corner of my, I mean, I was, I was waiting for it to happen. And I saw him open up his cigarette case or his cigarello case. And I said, oh, je vous en prie. which means like I beg you and he looked at me because it means I beg you but it also means like it's kind of a fancy way to say excuse me and he looked over at me to say oh you know what is it that you what is it that you would you need young lady you know uh-huh. and I was like no no je vous en prie no and he was like okay I understand and he put them away and he didn't smoke it Oh, that's nice. I know. I don't know why I told you that story. It just reminded <laughs> me of it. Just because, I mean, that's one of, uh, this is another thing I was telling you before we got out here that we could do an en- entire another episode on smell because the smell of cigarettes is, if not ubiquitous to Rome, it is to Europe. Mm. It is to Asia also. The U.S., it's not like you'll never encounter a cigarette, but we've outlawed it and shamed it enough at this point that I, you just don't encounter it quite as much. But here, of course, every single outdoor cafe, there's uh, you know, ashtrays all over the table. The cigarettes here are easier to buy. They're cheaper to buy. You don't have to buy as many of them. So I think more people smoke when they're in Europe than they do like if they're in the United States it's more of a commitment maybe it's more acceptable here so I associate more acceptable it's definitely so so I kind of associate the smell of cigarettes with being in Europe but I also this mysterious smell that you don't smell there is a burning smell in the air at all times I feel a burning wood that I would not have noticed if it had been not been so long since I'd been here. But Burning as soon as wood. I, yeah, yeah, almost like a forest fire kind of smell. Really, I have but, no idea what you're talking about. I mean, here's the other interesting thing, it, and it's not just burning smoke; it's also whatever the scents of the trees are and whatnot. But as you know, Derek and I road tripped here. Mm-hmm. We came from Germany through Austria and Switzerland and into Italy into northern Italy, and it was immediate. The way that the landscape changed and the way that the air smelled changed immediately, like as soon as we crossed the border. Into Italy. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So in what way, I mean, the landscape I can get, but the smell, like what change? What changes from Switzerland to Italy? There was a perfume in the air that was a combination of like a perfume, like a, I don't know, a flowering tree of some kind. And this smoke smell. And both Derek and I rolled the windows down and we went, gosh, you forget that this is what Italy smells like. But man, it smells just like Italy right here. And of course, it was just Italy. But it was a really, really lovely thing to like experience the difference in real time like that. 
I yeah, it's so funny because I can't imagine what you're talking about. <laughs> I can't figure it out. I can't recognize it. Well, you live in this smell. I, I know I live in the smell, but there there is we've talked about this before. There's a smell that I used to rep- I feel like I used to always smell it whenever I walked into like an apartment building in in Rome and that's not just in Rome, anywhere in Italy. And that's the smell of cooking pasta sauce, tomato sauce. And I don't smell that as often anymore. I don't notice it as often. That's the difference. I don't notice it as often, but I still do notice it. And I can, like, if I stop, I'm like, okay, I'm in my, my, my mother-in-law's kitchen. Yes, okay, this is the smell. But the one you're talking about, like, I can't even place it. I don't even know what you, I, I don't know what it is. And I don't know what it is, so I can't describe it any better. <laughs> I, I have noticed also this trip, and I don't remember ever noticing this before, but the smell of, like, dough. Interesting. Like, like not necessarily dough? cooked dough, but dough. <laughs> raw dough? I don't know. Like raw bread? Like I bread g- dough. Yeah. Or pasta dough. Yeah, or both, maybe. <laughs> Interesting. I've noticed that smell a lot, too. But anyway, yeah. And one other thing, of course, we've walked past or where our old apartment was when we used to live here. And um, we used to live over a very popular pizza place. Uh, it was called Evo. Evo. Evo Trastevere. Yeah, Evo Pizza. And that whole staff was still there. <laughs> All of the same guys. All the same guys. And I was like, well, they do offer a lifetime contract in Rome. Well, yeah, I mean, you people get jobs and they just keep them forever. It's a, That is the common thing. It, people do change work, but that's the exception. Yeah. So one of the things we may do while we're here is we might eat at Evo Pizza. Because I don't know if you know this, we were so irritated by living above them that we never actually ate at that restaurant. Oh, my gosh. I've, I think I ate at Evo's, like my first year in Rome or something with a bunch of people who like they decided to go there and I don't think I've ever been back I don't think it made a very big impression on me I don't think it's the best pizza in Rome not that it's bad but I just I wouldn't count it as one of the better ones we kind of don't want it to be any good because what if it's really good and we're like oh my gosh we lived above this amazing restaurant it's not though it's not especially because you guys like Neapolitan pizza right you like Darpoeta that's Neapolitan that I think Evo is Roman which I don't know. It's just not as good. It's just kind of... How would you define the difference? Well, Roman pizza is very flat. And it can be better or worse. Like some Roman pizza, like if they do it and it's really crunchy, I think it's good. I still prefer Neapolitan. But a lot of times you get a Roman pizza and you just slice it and you pick it up. And as you're holding the crust, like the rest just kind of like hangs down and all the toppings fall off. Like that's the most disgusting thing ever. And you have to fold it when you eat it. You have to fold it or it falls apart. And to me, no thank you, I'd rather go hungry. Neapolitan pizza is higher and it's chewy. It's doughy. And it's just, there's so much more to it. There's so much, and I feel like the dough has so much flavor if it's done well that, I mean, it's just, it's a totally different thing. It's like incomparable in my mind. Yeah, interesting. So when I was not here yet, and but you and I were talking, you said, I'm so sorry, Katie, but Rome is like more overrun with tourists than I've ever seen it. And I've been walking around the last few days, albeit slowly mm-hmm. and not as far as I would have liked, given that I was trying to recover from COVID. But I will say that I, it's crowded, but it doesn't seem that crowded to me. And so my question was that I was posing to Derek, or at least in my own head yesterday, was I wonder if it feels more crowded to you because you've spent the last two years with hardly anyone here. That I think is true, absolutely. But also it was Easter weekend, that weekend. that It was sort of my mom arrived on the Thursday night before Easter. And on the Friday, so Good Friday, 
it was we went out you know she she was staying near the spanish step so we went out we were like like trevi fountain pantheon like that area and it was so crowded i almost had i don't want to say a panic attack but i was that was that kind of feeling overwhelmed by people like i gotta go somewhere i gotta get out of all this crowd or i'm gonna feel awful so i think it was that particular weekend was nuts i mean easter weekend is famously one of the most crowded weekends in the entire it's probably the single most crowded weekend in rome so so it probably was way worse then than it is now but i think you do have uh, you are right that it feels much more crowded because it used to be that you know you could sit in this square and there was like five people here yeah that would have been so nice i've also been noticing it there seem to be a wider variety of dogs right now and there also seems to be a lot less dog poop on the street than before so i'm wondering Two things, I guess. Is there some sort of new ordinance that's making people pick up their dog poop more? And is it sort of like in the United States where during the pandemic, everybody got a dog? I feel like everybody in Italy has a dog. They're everywhere. My in-laws got a dog. Really? Your in-laws got a dog? Yeah. I didn't... Never mentioned? No. Yes. I mean, technically it's my sister-in-law's dog, but you know how it is. When a 19-year-old, now 20-year-old gets a dog, it's like her parents' dog, really. Yeah. So yes, Utah. They named her Utah because she's the color of Utah. The color of Utah? What's the color of Utah? I mean, it's kind of like an orangey, like a burnt orange type color. You know, like the like Zion, Bryce Canyon. Have you been to Bryce Canyon? Monument Valley. Like, it's that. It's the color of Monument Valley. Okay. So, yeah, everybody has a dog. But, I mean, Italy was already a big dog place. Lots of people had dogs before. But I think with the dog poop, I mean, I have noticed a huge change since I moved here. Like, from the, when I moved here to when you came... It was already way better, way, way better. When I first moved here, nobody cleaned up after their dog. And now most people do. Like I saw at least two on our way here from your apartment, which you don't see it as much. You don't see it as much, so you notice it more. I was doing a tour the other day with some of our listeners, actually, and this guy um, had let his dog go on the street and not picked it up. And I, I went up to him. <laughs> And I said, you know, they have these really cool things now. They're like little plastic bags for dog poo that you can keep them on your, uh, on your leash. They're so convenient. <laughs> He's like, I have them, but I was out. I just used the last one. But okay, fine. <laughs> like, I shamed the guy a little bit. And in Italian, I hope, so nobody on the tour knew what you were doing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it, was just, it was just a couple, and I told them what I was going to do. But yes, it, it was in Italian. <laughs> what to you seems different having lived through the pandemic here and now i i know like right as i arrived basically they lifted all of the restrictions people in not stores all. not all a lot but not all yeah but people in stores are still wearing masks but it's not required anymore from what i understand mm -hmm. uh same with restaurants in the czech republic by the way no masks anywhere anywhere, anywhere. wow illegal to wear them <laughs> i mean you'd see them occasionally on the random person but uh, when we were in berlin for instance you couldn't get on a train or any kind of public transit without wearing a mask you just weren't allowed on uh, or in the station for that matter by the time we got to the czech republic all of that's gone like wow. the buses are packed nobody's wearing a mask and then here it's been that's just sort where of a you mix got it, katie that's where you got it you got it in the Prague for sure <laughs> maybe i mean we don't know there's one particular guy where I'm like, I must have gotten it from that guy. But <laughs> but then, but timing-wise, Derek thinks I already had it that day. So now I actually just have to worry about, <laughs> did I give it to that guy? Which I feel terrible about. Like, the wor wondering if you've given it to somebody is just the worst. But I did talk to this guy. 
or he talked to us basically. He sat next to our us in a pub that Derek really wanted to go to, and he was a 78-year-old guy, super into grunge music, so very happy that we were from Seattle. Said his favorite band was Faith No More, which was an interesting choice because I only could think of one really famous Faith No More song. And he also really loved the band Cream, but thought we were too young to understand what that was. And I'm like, no, no, I, I know what Cream is. <laughs> uh, but we had a very long, extremely stilted conversation with this person for a really long time. Was like he that. local? Yeah, he was local. Yeah, local and drunk, so... Oh, my gosh. I hope you didn't give it to him. I know. <laughs> I know. At the time, I was thinking, when we left there, I remember saying to Derek, well, if I got COVID, it was probably from that guy. Because, you know, he's not only sitting really close to me, he's, he's spitting on me oh, occasionally. Geez. And turns out that, no, it was probably the opposite. Now, I really hope I didn't give it to that guy, because he was really nice. Yikes. <laughs> what do you notice about the difference of... Like, does it feel like Italians in general, the people around you, do they feel like they've changed? Or is any of their behavior patterns different? You know, I, I don't know if I can even answer that. I don't know that I know the answer to that. Maybe if I were Italian and had lived here my whole life, I could answer that. Although I, I did leave here 15 years before the pandemic, so I should have an idea. I do feel like I was very surprised in general all through the pandemic at the... Um, about the willingness of Italians to follow the rules and do their part and be prudent. You know, I met a lot of people, ran into them. You know, they might have been like parents from Aurelio's school. And a lot of people who are like, yeah, we are not seeing our grandparents, our kids' grandparents, like their own parents. Like, we are not seeing them at all. Not just during the two months of the pandemic, but like in the six months, like until there were vaccines. Like, people just wouldn't see their parents. And wow, that's that's hardcore. I, I couldn't have done that. I was just surprised full stop during the pandemic. Now that it's quote unquote over, now that the state of emergency has ended, I don't know. I mean, I do think that Italians have a very good way of bouncing back after this kind of thing. And I mean, I told you like that the, the rules through the pandemic have changed so much in Italy. Like, okay, masks outside, no more masks outside, masks inside. Okay, you can't sit outside, you can sit outside, you can sit inside, like just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it just seems like everyone's able to adapt so fast to these new rules. It's like, oh, now masks aren't around? Okay, fine. Yeah, but I, I, are they following the rule? Like, when it's switching back and forth that much, are they still following the rules? Or are they just, nah, you know? No, they are. Because they're, they're really, they, which is weird. Because in Italy, like, famously, they don't enforce the rules. This is why people don't follow the rules, because they're not enforced. So, like, people double park everywhere. People park in non-parking zones. People park in front of fire hydrants. Because they're not going to get towed. I mean, it might happen, but it's very unlikely. Uh, and so many things like it. People litter. People don't pick up their dog poop. You know, all this stuff. But with the masks, okay, yes, we did have, especially at the beginning, a lot of people wearing the masks down low, like not covering their noses. But, I mean, I went to the opera just two days before uh, they lifted the mask requirement. And to be clear, you still have to wear masks, and not just any mask, but an FFP2 mask. You still have to wear them on public transport, any kind of trains, airplanes, stuff like that, and any kind of concert, sporting event, uh, things like that. So you do still have to wear them some places. But I was at the opera, and I had a regular surgical mask, and they wouldn't let me in. I had to go run to a pharmacy two minutes before the curtain and try to get myself an FFP2 mask, and uh, it was very stressful. So I was like, really? Like, really? 
yeah so so i guess they just they they enforce it here i guess it seems counterintuitive but it's how it is but i hear that that opera at least from what you posted online was pretty great it was it was <laughs> so good so so good it was ipuritani by bellini very good better than expected what was better than expected about it well i've been to a lot of operas at the at the rome opera not so much lately because of the pandemic but in the years leading up to it and i'm always kind of underwhelmed a by the quality the quality is good i mean it's it's it's, a, it's an important professional house so it's not like they're terrible but you know like not like world class maybe and secondly like i always feel like they they always have to do something really edgy they have to do some like crazy staging that doesn't make any sense that totally weirds you out i saw don giovanni that was just so bizarre like i couldn't even enjoy it and this was pretty classic like there were a couple of you know avant-garde aspects to it but it didn't interfere with the actual story and it didn't interfere with you know when i go to the opera i want it to feel like it's an opera you know i don't want to feel like i'm going to some avant-garde theater where people are just singing singing opera you know what i mean the only problem was they had this light they had this this platform that the singers would stand on in the middle of the stage someone's coughing behind us luckily you have, you've had covid so you're fine uh, you not so much not, not so much we actually put my mask on they stood on this platform that had light shining up from it which was kind of interesting it lit them in a particular way and there was another platform hanging from the ceiling that shone light down on them but occasionally they would tilt the the panels towards the audience and i think i must be extra sensitive to light because i couldn't look at it and everybody else in the theater was like looking at people everybody else was sitting there fine and i like was shading my eyes so i don't know why but other than that sorry another tangent but i feel like this episode is is a real census episode right <laughs> because we've been talking about the smells of rome and we're sitting here with raindrops falling on our head and we've talked about some food some pizza and now about opera what's what sense are we missing katie you can hear the wind as we're speaking, like that kind of weird vacuum it creates with the microphone occasionally. So that what would that would be feeling? Feeling, feeling is always hard. Hearing. Like touch is always hard, at least to convey on the radio. I mean, I can say that this stone is very hard and my butt hurts sitting on it. The raindrops are, I think, feel good. Yeah, they're like at the perfect amount where they're not they're not enough. It's not enough rain to be getting you wet. It's just to like kind of give you a little drop every so often yes unlike one of the things about the roman rain is that when it comes sometimes it comes in hot you know and and you just are all of a sudden scrambling to find a doorway to stand in and then it's gone again it's just this this absolute downpour um so yeah let's see we did smell we did uh we haven't done taste really oh Oh, yeah we talked about pizza the feel of the rain the sound of the church bells the sound of the church bells, and the people coughing behind us and sight. All right, so let's describe somewhat. We'll end this episode by talking a little bit about what we're seeing. Well, Katie mentioned the uh, graffiti on the on the wall uh, on the corner building, which I hadn't noticed because I feel like there's always graffiti there. But they must paint over it from time to time. Yes, I, definitely. I think that they create a new canvas and somebody steps in to fill the void. Yeah, I was looking at. I was noticing this. There's a very decorative doorway on a different building with, I don't know, it almost looks like the Starbucks mermaid without the fishtail. Like it's, it's bizarre. I'm trying to figure out if that's even a man or a woman or a child. It's got some kind of very strange 
breasts. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what is that. <laughs> Almost like a Roman breastplate, maybe. Yeah, but the face looks like a ch- the face of a child. It's got long hair, but it's got like the Roman soldier leather skirt so I'm totally confused by that yes I've spent so much time sitting on these very steps that I've contemplated that figure Have you? a I lot don't, I don't think I've ever noticed it literally I feel like never. you've talked about it before no. on the show I've never noticed that we'll have to rewind the tape <laughs> <laughs> and there's also like two arms holding swords just the arms mm-hmm. on the outside yeah and I, I, I often if I'm just sitting in a piazza like this I notice what the people are doing but I also watch what the pigeons are doing mm-hmm. I have a tendency to really just sort of think of them as these like intrepid souls that are wandering around picking up behind us and I don't know I like thinking of them as being on their own individual journey (laughs) which of course they are but sometimes I just sit there and like almost picture like what would the world look like to them they're navigating all these tall people that are walking around Try not to get stepped on. Try not to get stepped on, but also doing like real cleanup work. They're very aware of where the other ones of them are. Yeah. You know, their own societies. I've always thought, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic, like what do the birds think now that nobody is outside? During like the true lockdown from March to May of 2020, like all of a sudden the birds of Rome are like, where is everybody? Like, don't you wonder, like, what they were thinking? Like, if they noticed? Oh, they noticed. <laughs> yeah, and, like, what they, like, what could they possibly, like, what's going on? What were their theories of where everybody went? Well, and, and I mean, it probably would have depended on what kind of bird you were. Yes, some like, birds are smarter than others. Pigeons are very smart. Pigeons are very smart, so but uh, pigeons also, like, make their, like, living off of us, basically. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if it was a harder period of time for them. It probably was. I mean, because where are the, you know, the sandwich crumbs that, that usually they live off of? Yeah, or, like, the wedding rice. I saw a bunch cleaning up wedding rice this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, there are. There's At a your wedding church, by the way. There was a wedding there this morning. Oh, was there? The church you got married in. Yeah, and I think... I've said this on the show before, everything in Italy and everything in Rome is very loud. People are louder, the way they drive, the cars are louder, the motorbikes are louder, the way that people talk to each other is louder. Everything is done in this louder way. And I was walking down the street and this sparrow was just like screaming its head off up above me. Look, even the birds here are louder because they, they, have, <laughs> they, to have, be, to be. they have to be louder than all the other loud things to be heard by the other birds sitting across the way. <laughs> and so, so, I mean, they would have at least noticed how much easier it was to communicate, if nothing else. Yeah, that's totally true. And I know I've told you personally about this. There has been an explosion in the parrot community. I mean, there are parrots everywhere in Rome now. You used to see them like in Villa Doria Pamfili. If you were lucky, I have like a picture I took of one with Zoom because I was so excited that there was a green parrot in the tree. Now I see them daily. I see them several times a day from my apartment and I hear them all the time and now I can recognize their call so specifically. And I'm like, oh, parrots, there's more parrots. Did they finally have the freedom to reproduce as they wanted to? Like, what's going on? Was that a pandemic-related thing or not? I don't know. Yeah, they certainly are prevalent. I've been hearing them a lot. Maybe you're just noticing them more. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> no, no. There, there are definitely more. In fact, they have, uh, they're starting to kind of become a problem because they're preying on other birds. It, it might be a problem. I don't know if they're going to start having to take care of them, if you know what I mean. And the other thing is, which I learned from Claudio, their nests, have you ever seen a, a Roman parrot nest? 
No, I, I mean, they're usually in palm trees. I know that. Well, they make their nests in the Roman pine trees prevalently, and they weigh so much. They weigh like 50 kilos, which is like almost as much as I weigh. It's probably more than what you weigh. The nests, too? The nests. The nests. And sometimes when they fall, they're like this big. I'm, I'm opening my arms. They're like two meters wide. When they fall, they can kill people. And it's a problem. It, people have died from parrot nests falling on their heads. Really? Yes. I feel like this seems suspicious. I didn't believe it either. <laughs> I will find the source of this. I did not believe it either. And then when Aurelia was at summer camp a couple of years ago, there was a ne- there was a parrot nest above, in, like above the school. And I remember telling Claudia, and he was like, "Oh, oh, I hope it doesn't fall, <laughs> because uh, because they're dangerous. I'm serious. Fifty kilos, I think, is what they weigh." Well, somebody look that up and tell us if that's true. I th- I thought they they were rosy-cheeked parakeets. I thought that that's what they were. I mean, they are technically parakeets, but they're so big. They're not like the tiny little yellow parakeet. You know, they're they're big. Again, I'm holding up my hands. They're like a foot long. Really? Yeah, they're huge. There must be two different things that there I'm picking be up. Because the there's there's ones that are in our neighborhood that will sit on the end of our planters on our balcony, and they're freaking big. Maybe not maybe not a foot and a half. Maybe a foot. Like long the size from, of a baby. Well, like from the bottom of the feathers, the tail feathers are long. Right. So from the top of the head to the bottom of the feathers. So these are in addition to the parakeets. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're the same. <laughs> maybe they aren't. Okay. I don't know. Well. I can't promise you. And we'll finish with uh, what? Let, let's give the image of one other thing to finish. There's a little boy. He's probably two and a half. When he's got his little transparent umbrella and he's squatting over a, a grate, a sewer grate, and his mom is not um, not happy with that. Yeah, and she's she moved him off. <laughs> she's moving him along. And he was discovering probably something really exciting. And now probably he's going to uh, miss his career path to be, uh, you know, a hydraulic engineer. I don't sewer know. inspector. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> starting to rain so it's we need to get rain hard rain. i know okay so we will leave it there uh welcome to rome we're finally together hooray hurrah i thought it would never happen Me i still too. can't quite believe it <laughs> and until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks opening an umbrella talk to you soon bye the bittersweet life is created and produced by me katie sewell My co-host is Tiffany Parks. If you're traveling to Rome this summer, set up a tour with Tiffany by writing to bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Our intern this summer is Allison Kramer. We will be hitting the streets of Rome on the podcast all summer long, so if you know anyone who loves Italy, tell them about the show and recommend that they subscribe. Our logo is designed by Jody Rick at The Lost Laboratory featuring the art of our muse, Caravaggio. If you support the show, either through Patreon or PayPal, you will receive a handwritten thank you note in the mail and our logo on a magnet. It's just what your fridge or car bumper is missing. Listener support is vital to the continuation of this show. If listening has become a valued part of your week and you have the means, help us pay the bills by throwing a five or a 10 or a 20 in the hat just as you would if you saw a street performer in Rome that you really love. You can find links to donate in the show notes or at thebittersweetlife.net. And my thanks to Drew Atkins for helping design the new website.